Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And we have another kind of shared topic episode today, sort of like in the vein of us talking about the Berkshires all episode last time. Our topics mesh today. There's overlap, so it should be fun. Yeah. yeah. We're going to be doing things from the wide world of Stephen King. Mm-hmm. We'll go from the real world to the fictional world. That's right. And back again. Oh. Oh, yeah. It's going to be crazy. Uh, I've been doing research for truly hours. <laughs> I believe you. Will Will said something weird earlier. I remember what it was. And he was like, I'm sorry, my brain is fried. I can't talk. I can't wait to share what I have to say because I need to get it out of my head. All right. So let, let's get rolling then. Yeah. There are just a couple of things that I want to talk about before we enter the Kingiverse, Stevieverse, un- yeah. Uncleverse. Um, we got some more. Sorry, the Uncleverse just really got me there. Uncleverse. <laughs> Uncleverse. <laughs> Um, we got more awesome mail from a listener and it is so appreciated. And I want to show you guys not only so I can say thank you to the people who sent them, but also because it's very much of interest to you guys who listen to and watch the show because you might want to get in on it. Yeah. So we have listeners named Troy and Callie who have an Etsy store called Woodcore. So you can look that up and they make wood coffin shaped things of all sorts so they sent will and i matching candle holders which rules so cool they also have um they have shelves that are shaped like coffins incense holders bottle openers um like wine shelves all kinds of really really awesome stuff and it was so nice of them to send this i so appreciate it and i seriously think you guys should check out their shop because if you like creepy stuff, you will like this. And it's always nice to support people who are doing independent work. So check it out. And they sent it with a really cool note that was written with font that was kind of like cut out letter style, like it was um, a ransom note. And um, it was really sweet. I'm just going to read it so you guys can see what nice people they are and support them. They said, GTTU Pod, just wanted to send you guys a little something and figured we would, we should send something that comes in twos. We both have siblings and know how sharing can be hard sometimes. Thank you for the free funny. Troy and Callie Casper. I love this so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm really stoked about it. Yeah, I no, I'm it. very happy to have this in my home right yeah, now. Yeah, mine's already at home with a candle in it. It's like a nice dark stained wood little candle holder there shaped like a coffin. I love it. And Thank you can you either for- have it just like standing on a surface or whatever, or it has one of those hook things on the back so you could hang out on a wall if you wanted to. Oh, man. Um, also, just a little anecdote. So, Troy and I have been talking on Instagram just a little bit here and there. I think he messaged and said something nice about the show for a couple of months. And his name on Instagram, if you want to follow him in see some of the woodworks is casper.troy like and the casper is with a k and you know he said nice things and then i was like oh by the way um is your name casper troy like because of face off because <laughs> casper troy is the name of um was the name nicholas cage in it and he was like no but i definitely heard that a lot when it came out yeah i mean it's so, it's unavoidable <laughs> i've had to um i've had to adjust the fact that his 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 last name is Casper, not first. Right. <laughs> but yeah, right. just a little fun thing. Fair so enough. definitely check that out. It's Woodcore on Etsy. And the other thing, real quick, is that um, if you're listening to this live on next Monday, September 3rd, I'm going to be on a Facebook live show in the morning called Mondays with Meg at 8 a.m. 
Central Standard Time. So do your time zone converter thing. So Meg is a life coach who I met through my job with Boho Berry. And we just chatted a lot and she's really super awesome. And she's having me on to talk about time management. She does this show every Monday. It's short. It's like a half hour max. Just about like tips and things that could like make your week easier. And she asked me to do it. And I have a lot of thoughts on time management. So I'm excited to talk to her about that. So you can go to facebook.com slash your coach Meg. Like her page. Um, she posts cool stuff anyway, so you may as well like it. But then that will show you where the event page is for Mondays with Meg. And you can like follow that or hit like I'm going or I'm interested or whatever. And then you'll get the alert when it comes up. And if you can't be there live for that, then there's gonna be a replay. So just make sure you follow her page because you'll see the replay link. Yeah. Um, and I also want to mention real quick that not that you need this to be incentive to check it out if it's your thing, but Meg is very much one of us as far as like freaky stuff. Um, she's a big horror fan and has been like since she was a teenager too and she lives in St. Louis but she recently came to New Jersey for this um, convention we had for work and she brought me two pictures both signed from going to conventions when she was a teenager one of Doug Bradley who plays (laughs) Pinhead and Hellraiser and one of Clive Barker, who is a horror writer who also wrote um, Hellraiser. So it was really, really sweet of her. She just knew that I liked this kind of stuff. And she has always been into it, too, and decided to just do a nice thing. So she's super cool. I really appreciated that. And yeah. Yeah, that's, that's crazy nice. Yeah. Uh, it's unbelievable that she brought stuff for you. I know. She uh, initially really cool. had said, like, can I have your address because I want to send you something. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. And then since she was coming, she brought them with her. That's and awesome. it was so sweet. She's a really cool person i think you would enjoy it it's just going to be like general tips for daily life because everybody has time management issues so yeah, exactly. if you want to hear me yap about that kind of stuff check that out yeah tune in yeah. check that out and i'll probably see a lot of you in the comments yeah then. Mm-hmm. don't awesome. heckle me <laughs> we're gonna do it anyway i won't have it uh, it's gonna happen uh, <laughs> all cool. right there we go so william i think it's time to get things underway that's right let's move on to the main event Let's the Maine m- event, because Stephen King <laughs> loves the state of Maine. So many of his stories take place there. He lives there. <laughs> it's time right. for the Maine event. That's right. <laughs> he also has kind of a mane of hair. It's a little long sometimes. It depends on the era of King you're talking about, but there are wispies. Fair enough. <laughs> but no, William, I'm going to take you away from Maine, and let's move to the west, where the Stanley Hotel resides yeah. in Estes, Colorado. Okay. So the Stanley Hotel is the hotel that was the inspiration for the Overlook Hotel in The Shining. And a lot of people know the lore behind it and how Stephen King got that idea, but I'm just going to lay it out for you. So, Because there were some details about it that I didn't know, just like little things. Well, I would even say, like, I, I know that that was where he took inspiration for the overlook but mm-hmm. i don't as much like, as i know about horror yeah and i love that movie obviously yeah. and book mm-hmm. i don't really know i guess it doesn't come to mind at least yeah, yeah. I, I just knew vaguely basically so he and his wife stayed there in 1974 and what i think is a really sweet detail is that they were the um only guests in the hotel right before it shut down for the winter. So the hotel was empty. Um, Like they ate dinner in an empty dining room or the empty dining room. And there was just a recording of an orchestra playing um, because their usual band wasn't there. When the, not the overlook. um, I'm going to keep saying that. I bet when the Stanley first opened, like in the early 1900s and had like the big boom of success and everything, 
Um, they had a house orchestra. Like there was an orchestra that was the Stanley Hotel Orchestra, which is very early 1900s and very sweet. That is, and really also cool. shows you the scope of the hotel. That it was like that big and that fancy, and had that much money to have a house orchestra. Well, they almost have like a house band at this point now. Do you know about there's a the group that performs there? Pretty frequently. No, I don't. Uh, it's a band that's one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Murder by Death. Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they perform there frequently to the point that on the Murder by Death website, they have an entire section about the upcoming season of performances at the Stanley Hotel. That's cool. It's basically a residency. I want to go there so badly. Me too. Well, our nephew Robbie has been there. Yeah. And I texted, I should have done it earlier, but I texted him today to ask him what his stories were, but he didn't get back to me. So right. maybe to be continued, because I know that he really liked it there and thought uh, it was like weird. Someday. Someday we'll be doing a live stream from the Stanley Hotel. Oh, yes. If only. Get those Patreon bucks rolling. Yeah, exactly. And then we'll go to a Murder by Death show. It'll be great. Yeah, I would love that. Everyone look up that band. I love them. Yeah, I haven't listened to them forever, but I very much liked them. (laughs) Um, Okay, so he stayed in room 217, which is notorious for reasons we'll go into later. Yes. And which is, I think that's why he stayed there. So when he was sleeping there that night, he had a dream about his three-year-old son, like, running through the halls screaming as though he was being chased by something. And he woke up. And I was like, ugh. And went out on the balcony to smoke a cigarette and kind of the idea for The Shining started to come to him. Um, partially because of the scary dream. And also he was outside and he was looking at how isolated it is. Because it's really beautiful, but it's just kind of surrounded by nothing in a nice way. Like just mountains and stuff like that. Um, so he had the idea for, I wrote, a winter caretaker who goes crackers. Goes crackers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He goes crackers. That's the movie where Jack Nicholson goes crackers, right? Yeah, correct. That's great. Um, And William, no wonder it inspired him because it has a haunted history itself. Mm. The hotel was built by Freeland Stanley um, when he came down with tuberculosis in the early 1900s. And like that was during the time where they were just prescribed like fresh air for diseases and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he thought that the clean, dry air of Colorado would do him some good. <laughs> but guess what? We can laugh. It did do him some good. He felt a lot better. Good. Did he die? <laughs> Not for a while. Oh, really? He lived for like a long time after that. Like, I don't know if like forever, but man, he had like a good run. That clean, dry Colorado air must have really done some good. Man, I mean, Do- maybe it does some good, but just doesn't. Like a bag of air. <laughs> I think that that certain kinds of air maybe do do good for certain kinds of ailments. Maybe they helped people back then like live like a couple of extra years. Whereas now we have medicine that can help them live like much longer than that. But I think that maybe there is something to that. It seems to have helped people in the olden times. I know that you love to breathe deep on that nice dairy air. (laughs) D E R R Y air. Oh, dairy Maine. Oh my yes, gosh. I do. William all comes back to uncle Stevie. That's right. Always the uncle first. (laughs) The uncle first. (laughs) <laughs> so that that air did help him <laughs> so he decided to build the hotel he's like a rich guy anyway and so room 217 is notorious because it's said to be haunted by a woman named elizabeth wilson so now with all of these ghost stories i'm going to tell you like with a lot of ghost stories especially ones that have like very old origins there are different variations of each story so i might tell you the story and you're like oh i heard that it was blah 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 i'm not sure which one is right i didn't see anything that kind of said conclusively this is right this is wrong basically everything i read was that like there are different versions of each of these stories and it just kind of is what it is it's just part of the lore Makes basically sense. yeah 
So Elizabeth Wilson was a maid at the Stanley. And in 1911, there was a huge storm outside that knocked the power out. And there was a power outage, like, I guess in the wing where 217 was, maybe just 217, I'm not sure. So she went into the room to investigate holding a candle, but she didn't know, nobody knew that there was a gas leak. Mm. So she walked into the room and an explosion was caused by the candle that she was holding. And it was such a big explosion that it like knocked out part of the wall, knocked out part of the floor, and she fell through the floor. So actually, even though she was injured, she was less injured, presumably, by just the fall through the floor than she would have been if she was like in the explosion. You know what I mean? So she ended up being okay. Um, Mr. Stanley was a really good dude, the guy who built the hotel and everything, and he paid for all of her medical expenses. He took care of her, you know, pay being out and everything. And so she ended up being like super loyal to the hotel and she worked there until like the 50s. Um, so she eventually died just with, like natural causes, but it's said that she haunts room 217, but in like a nice way, not really anything super scary. Okay. So people will, you know, go to their room, leave their luggage there, go out for a while and come back. And it's said that all of their stuff is put away in the drawers and everything. Like she just like went about like her maidly business. Um, people have also seen objects move, voices being heard and said they can see her apparition. So it's just kind of like a chill, nice sort of ghost. My kind of ghost. That's right. So that's on the second floor, 217. Um, and the second floor and the fourth floor apparently get most of the paranormal activity. Um, the fourth floor was reserved for children and their nannies because back in the day, I guess parents would travel and they like send the children off with the nanny to like not bother them. Wow. And I wrote, those were the days. <laughs> um, so people say that they can hear children laughing on the fourth floor. And um, I also read that because there's a little bit more activity on the second and fourth floors that the rooms there are a little bit more expensive because people know that like the people who work at the hotel know that people are coming for like the ghosty experience and they're going to want the rooms they want. So they can kind of like make a little more expensive. Which is also the kind of thing we've talked about it before, but whenever Mm -hmm. a house turns out to be haunted or whatever, like the watcher house, yeah, which isn't haunted by ghosts or anything, but having that sort of uh, infamous story surrounding it is usually a way to get people to pay extra money sometimes. I'm not saying that that's what they're doing. No, but I'm just saying this is like proof for when people like the Watcher House do it. Like, you could get It's like a tactic. Exactly. Yeah, get that cheddar. Um, So then another nice ghost is Lucy. So again... With Lucy, it seems like it's even a little bit more nebulous because there are at least records of Elizabeth Wilson working for the hotel and everything. There's no historical record of this ghost, Lucy. So I'm not sure how her story got pieced together. But what people say the deal is that was that she was a young girl who was squatting in the basement of the Overlook, who was like homeless or something. And um, one day she was discovered and she was forced to leave when they were doing maintenance on the basement of the hotel. And it said that it was below zero outside that night. So she froze to death. Mm. So what I wonder, and it could just be like, I don't know that much about Colorado weather or whatever, but um, the hotel is closed during the winter because it just gets so super cold out there. I don't know if that still is the case, but at least was for a long time. So I was wondering if it's closed for the winter, like, why would there be? Pe- oh, maybe I guess they were doing maintenance. Actually, now I well, think about it. Thing. Okay, that makes yeah, sense. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As- it's not like they were. She was a resident. Okay, right. I talked out loud and I figured it out. <laughs> um, I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah, just because it's closed doesn't mean that it's abandoned. Right. right. Exactly. Um, so it said that she mainly wanders the basement because that's kind of where she hung out the most, and apparently she also hangs out in the concert hall. 
and likes to blink lights on and off and things like that. And so that she has a very like pleasant kind of energy. Like she's not a scary ghost, whatever, whatsoever. Sometimes she's like humming, um, and will communicate using the lights. Like she's very into that and willing to kind of like play game mm. that way. If you have a nice ghost, mm-hmm. are you thrilled because you've got a nice one or are you still scared because it's a ghost? Huh. Good question. Um, scared because it's a ghost initially. And then if they continue to be nice, I'm like, Oh my God. Like I live with a ghost where I know that it's the case and I like believe it and they're really nice. Well, okay. Right. But yeah. what if it turns out that it's, you know, you're trying to watch Real Housewives yeah. and Bertram keeps flicking the lights to try to get you to change the channel or something? Then Bertram and I are going to have to have a talk. If they're that nice, they're going to be open to compromise. Okay, fair enough. You got me. Right? Yep. Right? Because it's not truly nice if you're trying to turn off my Real Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so there is another ghost who's kind of infamous there named Eddie. And I'm not going to go super far into Eddie because I'm pulling a dirty trick on you guys a little bit. There's a podcast called Euphemet, which I've talked about in the Facebook group. I'm not sure that I've talked about it on the show. I might have before. But they did an episode, maybe like three episodes ago or something, from the Stanley Hotel. And they go deep into talking about Eddie and talking to Eddie. And I think you guys should listen to the episode because it is super duper good. I love that podcast. I am a little bit biased because I'm friends with one of the producers of it, but I don't care. It's seriously so good. So I think you should check that out. But I felt like I should at least just mention Eddie because he's a big presence in the overlook. Yeah, for sure. Everyone go check out Euphemet. Yeah. I recently spent a decent amount of time with the host, Jim Perry. Mm -hmm. Great guy. Go check it out. Have a damn good time. Yeah, he sounds like a good guy. That's an endorsement from you and Chelsea, who's one of my good friends. Yep. So seems like a mensch. We're friends online and stuff. Yep. It's a really good show. So just real quick, it's really well produced. It's almost like um, This American Life, but just about paranormal stuff. So they travel different places in the country and talk to different people who have either beliefs or experiences that are like somewhat unknown. Um, it's sometimes really heartwarming. It's really interesting. It's never like mocking of the subjects or anything. Um, or condescending. It's really super duper good. It comes out every two weeks. It's like a half hour ish show. Like I love it. I wish yeah. there was more of it. That's my point of saying two weeks and a half hour. I wish it was every week on like an hour. Yeah. It's like yeah. really one of my faves. Yeah. More on this someday. Worlds collide. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. will say no more mm-hmm. for the time being. Right. Well, worlds, you can kind of say the worlds collide anyway because, um, Hunt a Killer like produces Euphemet. So people know you work for Hunt a Killer. That's true. So that's not that big a secret. <laughs> Even still, more <laughs> soon. Yes, there will be more soon. I can't yeah. wait. So, Eddie. Um, so, Eddie is an infamous presence, and at one time, he apparently had the nickname Stinky Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a nickname I believe that you're familiar with. Oh, boy. It's been taunting me, <laughs> hounding me my whole life. I tried to move twice as a young man to escape it and still it found me that's right like us like an odor follows you in a stinky trail stinky man has followed you state to state man stinky man your delivery on stinky man is beautiful i just want to say he also had the nickname stinky man and then stinky man has followed you Kristen, both wonderful you should be like an a-lister based on your delivery of stinky man was great Thank you. If we have uh, musical listeners out there, remix Stinky Man into a song. <laughs> when you sample Kristen going, Stinky Man, Stinky Man, Stinky Man, Stinky Man. Make it like a cool like club remix. Oh, man. If Stinky Man was played up in the club. Oh, my God. Or it could be like a smelly cat sort of 
acoustic jam. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Whatever you can do. We'll work it out. Um, so yeah, so he was known as Stinky Man because his presence would be followed or like made known with an unpleasant odor, not unlike William walking into a room. <laughs> but then he later switched it up because maybe he didn't like being known as Stinky Man and um, a pleasant odor started showing up along with Eddie. Wow. So it must have been, I'm, you know, not unlike a real Stinky Man might realize he's stinky and take steps to get less stinky perhaps that's what eddie did in the afterlife it's good to know that you can do that that's right forever (laughs) seriously um so eddie seems a little moody apparently um he sometimes gives investigators it's sort of like ill at ease feeling um what i read said that he may have had kind of like a hard life in life so that could be why um and he is sometimes a little bit of a ladies man in a creepy way and has been known to run his hand up a lady's back don't like that and like through their hair i know stinky man we never thought about that what if the smell attaches to you like like if you hug somebody stinky and then it's on you a little bit i guess that's not really what i was thinking it's like ectoplasm well yes certainly but still i mean i wonder if there's a transfer right Hmm. (laughs) who knows but anyway there's um anyway listen just listen to you from that it's sweet okay so from a stinky man to a silly man william (laughs) do you know the other famous movie that's connected to the stanley hotel silly man that's the the the, uh-huh. the key reference here. Jim Carrey? Yep. Really? Yep. Old Rubberface himself? That's right. They filmed Dumb and Dumber at the Stanley Hotel. Oh, come on. Yeah. So wow. like not it wasn't based on the Stanley Hotel. They literally used that as a filming spot. That's awesome. Yes. So um Jim Carrey, when they were shooting, requested to stay in room 217 because of all the infamy and everything. And I haven't found anything direct like all these things. There's not an interview where he talks about it. It just seems to be in lots and lots of articles about this so it could be true could be not i would like to hear it from the rubber face's mouth but what can you do i did some searching yeah um he apparently about three hours after checking in going to his room contacted reception and asked if there was another room in the hotel because he didn't want to stay there anymore awesome and when they said no he was like okay fine i'm going to a new hotel and left and then for shooting after that, he would only go to the hotel like right when it was time to shoot and leave right when it was over. And, he's and never... he would never talk about it. Oh, come on. Yeah, totally. So that's one of those things where like I might be more skeptical if it wasn't Jim Carrey, but because he's like sort of an odd duck, like it kind of it it's not so out of the realm of possibility to me that he would like never talk about it. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, is that sweet though? That is really cool. I wanna know. Yeah. I wanna know. Yeah, me too. Um, and then also in recent times and more about movie stuff, there was actually a Stanley film festival at the Stanley hotel from 2013 to 2015. That was like a horror movie festival. It sounds awesome. Um, but they stopped doing that. And it sounds like there was some sort of like bad blood, maybe bad blood rushing through the corridor from the elevator, but bad blood between the people who are like the muckety mucks of the hotel and the festival producers, because the hotel people decided to kind of like part ways and cancel the 2016 festival that was supposed to be there to hold a symposium about having a horror movie museum. Um, that they were trying to get a board together to support and then have to bring to the state to get approval. And um, Elijah Wood and Simon Pegg both joined the board. They were like all about it. 
But the last news about that was in 2015. I didn't see any articles about this after yeah. 2015. So I assumed the state didn't approve the plan and or they weren't able to raise $24 million, which is what they were needing for it. So it just it. sort of fell apart. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so real quick, speaking of Elijah Wood, he had an encounter with Lucy where he did a ghost tour um, around the hotel and they had Lucy communicate through a flashlight. And he said it was super cool. Hmm. Um, so those film producers who had been doing the Stanley Film Festival decided like, all right, fine, we still want to do this f- this festival, but I guess we can't do it here. And they ended up taking the festival to the Timberline Hotel, which is in Oregon, I think, which is actually where The Shining was shot. Oh, that's funny. I know. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. Um, yeah, Timberline Lodge, excuse me. And they changed the name to the Overlook Film Festival. Um, so they had it there in 2017, and then the most recent one was this past April in 2018, and they moved it to New Orleans, but they kept the name. So I wonder if there was a problem, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I guess. You yeah. know? Interesting. Yeah. So, William, that's my oral history of the Stanley Hotel. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool, right? Yeah, I love that. And especially thinking back to when Stephen King initially stayed there, mm-hmm. and it was essentially in the situation that he put his characters in, in The Shining. I love the exactly. idea. Exactly. I, I loved that. I didn't know that it was like winter it was abandoned that is so cool empty hallways yes empty dining room it would just empty bar so yeah. alien yeah so like really. oh so bizarre it's so creepy being in places that are usually populated when they're not like if you've ever been in a school after hours it's like right. Ugh. yeah but also awesome yeah absolutely cool yeah stanley hotel i really do want to go there yeah i do too someday yeah cool we have to go out be? west and go to the stanley hotel and the winchester house yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Uh, how cool would it be to be somebody like Elijah Wood? Just be famous and be like, yeah, I got to be in a movie this week and the next week I'm going to try to communicate with this ghost. I know. Just have like the endless like means to just do whatever you want. Yeah, like that. check in with Lucy. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So good. I know. Um, All right, William, take us to the Uncaverse. Okay. It's time to enter Stephen King's multiverse. Yeah. Uh, now, I've broken down my research into this into a series of, appropriately enough, chapters. Huh. Yeah. The basic premise here is that Stephen King's characters yeah. are all related to one another okay, through a variety of means. Yes. So I'm going to sort of give you a little bit of trivia of how some of his books connect, even when you wouldn't think uh-huh. that there are connections between something like, uh, what's a good example here, uh, Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. which is a very sort of human story, Yep, and It which has actual paranormal events and everything. Those two things are connected, even though you would not think. I mean, I love that. I think that's super cool. I love stuff like this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So before we get into the actual bulk of it, Mm -hmm. a quick forward. Please. If you don't mind. Uh, Kristen, you and I have discussed Stephen King many times before. Yes. Here on Guide to the Unknown, we did an entire episode about theories of The Shining. Right. Um, sort of conspiracy theories about what it really means. Mm -hmm. But our history with Stephen King goes even further back. (laughs) That's correct. Before Guide to the Unknown, we had a podcast called Book Club Schmook Club where Kristen and I read and reviewed books. It was kind of similar to this show in terms of the tone. Like we would mostly tell jokes, but we'd be talking about a very specific topic. Uh, and we covered a bunch of Stephen King things there, mm-hmm. like Carrie. Uh, we did a four-part series about The Shining, which is perhaps overkill. Yeah. <laughs> Four hour-long episodes about The Shining. That was when we used to structure it differently, though, too. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, we'd split a single book over the course of two episodes. Yeah, for yeah, that, yeah. We doubled it even further. Right, and yeah. we ended up nixing that. But anyway, right. yeah. Uh, we read uh, The Gunslinger, yeah. which I'm going to be talking to you a lot about. Oh, today, good. Because that sort of forms the backbone of how a lot of his works 
connect. Now, across all goody, the shows, goody gumdrops. Every time I did not like the gunslinger. I know, neither did I. <laughs> but every time we've talked about Stephen King, we tend to say something that I usually end up regretting. Uh, Me too. We get mean sometimes. We get mean sometimes. Uh, and I like him. It's weird. It's tricky. Yeah, it's it's, tricky it's very weird. My my relationship with him is complicated. So I'm going to try to avoid doing that. I am too. I came here thinking that to myself in talking about his multiverse, and I want to apologize for saying some of the things I've said about Stevie in the past. I do too. I have been unkind. Fact of the matter is, sometimes our tastes just don't align. Correct. But even if you're not a fan of Stephen King's, it's hard not to respect and be really impressed by his tremendous body of work. Beyond. He's one of the most prolific artists of all time. The sheer number of books that he has written, he never stops. He's always working. I really enjoy that. Yeah. And there is a lot of intricacy with which he's built his stories Mm -hmm. uh, that I admire and wish that I could do yeah i mean and even beyond like respecting the work and respecting the storytelling whatever there are a bunch of stories i do love that are sweet as hell i love the shining i love carrie Eh, misery i love misery yeah we read that as well yep Mm. um i'm not sure what else but there i mean i love some of his books but there are just some that i really 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 hate and that's the thing yeah me it's always one of two extremes Mm -hmm. sometimes in my regular life i tend to vacillate wildly between extremes of things i either love something or i hate it yeah but that seems to be uh especially true with stephen king's work Mm -hmm. if i like something of his it's probably one of my favorite things of all time if I don't like something That's of his... That's kind of true for me, too, actually. It's yeah. probably something that I, I absolutely cannot stand. That is true for me as well. I'm a little bit less black and white in general, but when it comes to Stephen King, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. It's it's very rarely in the gray. Now, having said that, in talking about this, because I'm going to be talking about a lot of his work, obviously, I can't touch on everything. Right. It would be impossible. He's written far too much for me to explain about every connection that exists. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but... I will be spoiling some things. Yeah. So to give you a taste, I will be spoiling The Shining, Doctor Sleep, Castle Rock, It, and the Gunslinger series. Okay, cool. Disclaimer, there may be even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is really- Like within that. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Proceed at your own caution. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we go. Okay. Chapter one. <laughs> My God. Castle Rock. I love Castle Rock. It's I just like to interject. on yeah. Hulu. Uh, where it seems to be sort of a love letter to Stephen King's work altogether. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of references in this show. It's currently ongoing. As of this recording, six episodes exist. You and I are caught up on all six. Yes. Uh, it's a great show. It's very well made. Um, and it plays on a lot of familiarity with his work. Mm-hmm. Sissy Spacek, who very famously starred as Carrie in the film adaptation of Carrie. Yes. Real quick. It'll be seven. When this comes out. I'm saying as of the recording. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's one of the main characters. Bill Scars... Guard. ...is one of the main characters. He played Pennywise in the recent uh, movie version of It. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're just sort of like connections where you kind of get a Cujo vibe from some of the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> you might just like pick up on little things that feel like winks and nods to works of Stephen King's. So much so that I've seen multiple people talk online about how this show castle rock appears to be a broad amalgamation of all his works where everything he ever wrote is finally connected Mm kind of like how the amazing goosebumps movie that was recently released where jack black stars as author rl stein has a lot of his famous monsters all existing in the same space and wreaking havoc together yeah however all of these claims are 
false. <laughs> because the works of Stephen King were already connected. Uh-huh. Castle Rock is just one more prong. Yeah. Ooh. Chapter two, the simple connections. <laughs> so I've always enjoyed when you find out that Characters from seemingly disconnected yes. things are actually related to each other. Right. Um, I think some of the biggest examples would be uh, one from when we were little kids, mm-hmm. which I always liked, which I was a big fan of Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman, yep. where, you know, they they have Frankenstein and Dracula. They're all... Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. And you have the, the comedic duo of Abbott and Costello who have been in countless movies of their own. All jammed in together. Yeah. It's goofy to say, but it's also true. A lot of people have said it. It doesn't make it any less proper. Those original Universal Monster movies, that was the original shared universe. Yeah. Where Dracula and Frankenstein's monster shared the screen several times. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Do people think that's stupid? I don't know. I think on some level, I personally find it to be a little precious Uh to call it that because their aspirations weren't to be like, look at how we're connecting these disparate things. It was just natural. It was just normal. Yeah. It was normal. It was natural. It felt natural. Yeah. But that's so because it's not deliberately cool, like, ooh, look, it feels a little bit less like valid in a way. Yeah. I I can see that. I think so. Because it was almost just like the business aspect of making these movies. Right. They're on the same lot. We put the Invisible Man (laughs) and Dracula in the same movie, Bingo Bongo. We got ourselves. A hit. The Invisible Man is so good. Yeah, it's so weird. I, yeah, it's true. If if rumor has it and it's still happening, Johnny Depp might be the Invisible Man. Ugh, I wish he'd be the Invisible Man in general. <laughs> I'm good. One of the other interconnected universes, one that I've been recently getting back into, is Kevin Smith's. Yep. Universe, mm-hmm. which a uh, few people kind of praise for its interconnectedness, but I yeah. always loved. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith's original production company was called View Askew, under which he produced Clerks, Mall Rats, Chasing Amy. Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, um, and it might have still been around for Clerks 2. But very early on when I became a fan of his, I learned online simple things like Randall from Clerks and Brody from Mallrats are cousins. I know, that was very cool. Alyssa from Chasing Amy has two sisters, one that appears in Clerks and one that appears in Mallrats. Yeah. Just like I love... The fact that he put some consideration to who these people are. Somebody in Clerks gets mentioned and later appears in another movie. Right. Somebody uh, referenced in Dogma first showed up in Mallrats. Yeah. I love that. I um, love anything where something happens that makes you realize that there's been backstory going on this whole time that we just weren't aware of. Yeah. I love absolutely. things like that. It indicates that there's a broader world, that these characters exist even when the camera's not pointed at them. Yep. I really enjoy that. And mm-hmm. so Stephen King has been doing that for an even longer time. Yeah. Some of the connections are uh, sort of easy like that. I don't mean easy in a way where like anybody could achieve them. No, it's like simple. Simple. Yeah. So uh, things like he's got his uh, his fictional towns that he usually has his stories set, mm-hmm. where a lot of characters tend to be from or have traveled to the town of Derry in Maine. Right. Um, got that good dairy air. Absolutely. There are even some conceptual things that are just true across his works, even though they don't mean like, oh, the main character of this book and that book went to school together. They're just things that are uh, thematic ideas he frequently returns to. A lot of his protagonists are writers. Mm-hmm. So when you're in that King mode, it just feels familiar. Yeah. Even if you're yeah. not dealing with characters that inexplicably know each other. Or right. Right worked at the same store. Yeah, there's a little bit of a rhythm that's kind of recognizable. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, But some connections that uh, most people may not have picked up on, a lot of them are incredibly subtle. Uh, There are a lot of people out there who are obviously much bigger Stephen King fans 
than either one of us who have documented all of these things. You can go look them up. Uh, just a few easy ones. Uh, in the book The Stand, a character mentions the town of Gatlin, mm-hmm. which is the setting of Children of the Corn. Sweet. Right? Yeah. Easy. That's sweet. Yeah. Nice. Clean. 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 I have a feeling things get dirty. Things get dirty. Okay. We're going to get dirty right away. <laughs> That's why clean is notable. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're going to jump right into dirty. There are All a bunch right. of clean ones. Go look them up. Let's All get dirty. Right. The Shining. You were just talking about the Stanley Hotel. Yes. Kristen, let's talk about The Shining a little bit and how it connects to some of Stephen King's other works. Let's. We're going to start with one that's sort of a personal theory of mine. Okay. This is not one that I've seen frequently echoed online. At the end of The Shining, the book, mm-hmm. the entire hotel burns down. The yes. The boiler explodes, the place is set on fire, and characters see what appears to be a giant shadowy shape mm-hmm. right. floating away from the hotel, perhaps escaping it. They say that it's in the shape of a manta ray. Uh-huh. Okay. One. Evidently, there are other works of Stephen King's where he references the shape of a manta ray. Oh, okay. Oh, I like that. But huh. two. The Shining itself is primarily about a family staying there through the winter. They're the winter caretakers. Right. And they have The Shining. They have a sort of psychic ability. Mm-hmm. The hotel itself appears to have a psychic ability. It's sort of ambiguous. It's hard to understand. There are actual ghosts that appear to live there, mm-hmm. um, who died there, were killed there. But there's also a force called the management. Right. And it seems to be primarily focused on the young boy, Danny Torrance, mm-hmm. who has a very strong shine to him. Yeah. It wants to eat him. It wants to consume him. It craves his power. Right. Not unlike Pennywise the Clown from It. Oh, interesting. In The okay. Shining, it seems like it wants to scare Danny, to entice him somehow, right. to gain his ability. In It, Pennywise the Clown who we're going to be talking about a lot, mm-hmm. uh, is obsessed with what he calls salting the meat. Right. Scaring Ugh. kids so he can literally feast on them. Right. And the hotel is certainly doing that to Danny. Right. William, I like this theory. Yeah. Is it's this not, not directly one-to-one because it seems like Pennywise literally eats you. Right. But I'm not sure what the shining, what the hotel is trying to do to Danny exactly because it does not succeed. Right. And does the manta, the manta rated thing doesn't seem to correspond to Pennywise at all. Let me fix that for you. Okay. Pennywise the Dancing Clown is but one form that he takes. True. They also see in the novel It another form of Pennywise. Right. Where he appears to be a gigantic pregnant female spider. Right. But even that is just the closest that the human mind can approximate to a real form for him. Mm -hmm. A lot of Stephen King's monsters are ambiguous and shapeless. They can shapeshift into different forms, become different people with different names and personalities. (laughs) Doing a lot of... A lot of hand moves. A lot of hand work for the video. That's true. <laughs> okay, go I ahead. I want to give the people a good show. Yeah. But also, a lot of his creatures seem to be based on animals themselves. So Pennywise becomes a spider. Right. The hotel becomes a manta ray. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Just kind of I like this. Right? So you didn't find... You didn't see other people saying that? I didn't see any other people really supporting I think that's a very that. good theory. I would not claim I'm the only person to have said that. Right, right. I just didn't see it in my research research for this, and I did a fair amount of research. I think there's something to that. It's firmly in the fan theory right. category. There but are some good things that I will tell you about that started as fan theories and were later confirmed by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be firmly like a yeah. fan theory of yeah. mine, though. I like it. I think it's a good theory. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, as we're transitioning from The Shining to It, I want to also point out that Dick Halloran Yes. From The Shining, 
who gives us the term shining. It's what his grandmother used to call it when they would communicate telepathically. Mm -hmm. He appears in it as well. Yes. He's mentioned as an army cook who uh, had a premonition at a nightclub that there was going to be an attack by basically the KKK. Mm -hmm. He warned a bunch of people and a lot of them got out in time. One of those people being the father of Mike Hanlon, Mm -hmm. one of the main characters of it. Right. So Dick Halloran is in it. Yes. Yeah. I like that connection too. Within it, branching out to other stories. They talk a lot about people going to Shawshank Prison. Yep. Uh, there is a reference to it in the book Tommyknockers, where the main character, Tommy Jacklin. Uh huh. That's a good name. Book, he goes to Derry and thinks he sees, quote, a clown with shiny silver dollar eyes watching him from the sewers. I'd like to know the context of that, like where that gets dropped in and stuff, you know? Huh. Well, look like, at that. A clown with silver. Yeah, like, and then we just move on. Anyway. I Look, I like the connections and everything, and I haven't read it, so don't just take this opinion with a grain of salt. It seems a little clunky. I know. I agree with you. <laughs> right? Sometimes these things come out of nowhere. Here's yeah. another one. Dreamcatcher from 2001. A character named Mr. Gray. Side note, Pennywise says that his name is Bob Gray. At yeah, one that's point, right. Yeah, having yeah, a human name. Uh, a character cool. named Mr. Gray in Dreamcatcher sees a plaque. That's meant to commemorate the victims of a, a water pipe explosion mm-hmm. in Derry, Maine. But spray painted on top of the plaque is the phrase Pennywise lives. Huh. Okay. That's kind of cool. I mean, did the kids, the kids call him Pennywise, right? Or what? Uh, Pennywise calls himself Pennywise. He's Pennywise the dancing clown. Right. But so like, could people in town be aware of Pennywise as a thing? So it's like realistic that teenagers would spray paint something like that, you think? Potentially. But I think the broader point is this. And it's something that I'll be talking about in uh, chapters three and four. Okay. Um, the Stephen King multiverse is is very strictly a multiverse. Right. So when a character from Dreamcatcher or Tommyknockers interacts with Derry, mm-hmm. Maine, and sees some of these main characters and sees Pennywise in the sewer and the, the plaque, whatever, yeah, that doesn't mean that those things are canon to the story of It. Yes. They may, in fact, be alternate realities where Pennywise... Uh, succeeded. Yeah. Maybe it's before the kids even Maybe fought. Pennywise does li- live. Exactly. Yeah. But it doesn't ne- mean that it's necessarily true right. for the novel It. Right. They are Easter eggs in the strictest sense. Yeah. And they may be true somewhere in the multiverse, but because it's a multiverse, yeah. not everything that happens happens in a straight line or happens on this plane of existence. That makes sense to yeah. me. It's 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 a little mushy like I that. like that. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, in a fairly recent novel that mm-hmm. Stephen King wrote, a very time travel heavy novel called 112263, mm-hmm. which I've heard is great, but I have not read. Same. It's just so big. It's like humongously long. Well, a lot of his books are. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that seems like a real doorstopper. It's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, doorstop. Doorstoppers. Yeah. The main character of 112263 goes back in time to Derry, Maine, where he encounters Richie Tozier uh-huh. and Beverly Marsh, two of the main kids. From it. I like that. And he teaches them how to do the Lindy Hop. Oh, my God. So I'd put that in the category of things I don't want to read. Wait, real, real, real quick, real quick. Okay, so the main character of 112263 is like modern day-ish, like early 2010s or something, right? I don't know. Uh, okay, well, I think it is. If he's time traveling and stuff, like if he's time traveling back to the 80s, he must be more recent than the Lindy Hop. He's going further than so the that's, 80s. Isn't that all about JFK? No, I know. But my point is he must have gone to the 80s to see the kids from It, right? No, they were originally 50s in the novel. Really? The 80s is like the modern movie. Like, Oh, they're grownups in the 80s. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, still. They the shifted Lindy. the timeline for the new movie. The Lindy Hop's like the 40s. I don't, my point is, I don't understand why this person from the 2000s is teaching people in the 60s how to do the Lindy Hop. Oh, I have no that's idea. That's all over the place anyway. I have no idea. I, the, I couldn't tell you. The that's, Lindy that's Hop. Where, that's when it goes into territory I don't necessarily want to know more about. <laughs> Uh, which brings us to chapter three. I do like, I, I will say, sorry, I would be excited if I was reading that book and all of a sudden Richie Tozier and Beverly Marsh are there. That's yeah, sweet. True. Yeah. Also, evidently the guy looks at the kids and goes like, they obviously have a strong connection. Uh-huh. It doesn't seem romantic. It's right. like they've been through something together. I like that. I really like. Yeah, that's you fun. Know, those kids were sort of like made yeah. together in a way. Um, I like that. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Chapter three, the dark tower. Mm. It's all in service of the tower. The dark tower is literally a book series that Stephen King has written. It's sort of his Lord of the Rings. Yep. Very fantasy driven characters move through portals. Uh, they learn magic. Uh, it's about a, like a, a group of people trying to stop something catastrophically horrible from happening. Yeah. It really makes me think of Lord of the Rings every time I read about it. But the Dark Tower is essentially how all of these stories are connected. Okay. Um, so, uh, the, the Dark Tower itself is literally a gigantic tower. Mm-hmm. It has six uh, sort of strands of power mm-hmm. uh, that run through it, six beams okay. that support the tower and hold the multiverse together. Okay. Uh, here is basically the idea of what has happened in Stephen King's world. Yeah. He has gone on to say the more that he has written books, he's written so much that he's discovered that they are all connected to one another. Uh-huh. And this is essentially how they are connected. Okay. There used to be something called the prim. Okay. Think of it as literally nothing. The absence of existence. Okay. And then from the prim, from that nothingness, came Gan. G-A-N. Okay. Gan is God. Okay. He's not said to be exactly God the way that people But he's a God-like yes. figure. Okay. And he essentially is the person that has created the Dark Tower. He created the world. Think of it as like the let there be light okay. kind of thing. Sure. However, there are other creatures that come from this place of, of non-existence, mm-hmm. also called Todash. Okay. Kristen. William kept talking about Todash to me before we started recording. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, we'll be revealed or something. (laughs) One of these things is Maturin the turtle. Okay. Remember I said to you that. Oh, okay. Okay. I know about this a little bit. The powerful beings that he has are usually animals. Yes. Maturin the turtle is a gigantic, I think it's part of a metaphor Mm -hmm. from other like uh, uh, realms of spirituality that actually have existed for Mm -hmm. centuries, whatever. Uh, There's this whole idea of a turtle with the world on its its back, on its shell. I think that's where Maturin the turtle kind of comes from. Right. But due to some indigestion, (sighs) Maturin essentially coughed up what we would call our universe. Okay. So we are living on a world that had originally just been a bit of indigestion inside of a turtle. Okay. That uh, is like, you know, existential, unworldly, an old god, basically. Okay. I actually don't hate that, even though the indigestion thing is goofy. If the point is that he was holding the world on his back, and that's the way things are supposed to be, and that we actually are just kind of like this other thing yeah, yeah, yeah. from him, but it's like something that you want to dispel. It's not anything that you would really want, but that's our existence. Well, we're almost a That's actually sweet. Right? Yeah. There's this yeah. whole other thing that's going on mm-hmm. out there. Right. You know, forget out in the stars. Right. It goes so much further than that. Yeah, and no, we're just some crap. Exactly. Yeah. We are we are just debris. I like that. Yeah. Um but it is, it does make it weird then that we have turtles. 
I do just want to say. You know? Well, there's like some particle of him that came. And that turned out to be exactly a turtle? Yes, William. Okay. Fair enough. So anyway, Gan, who uh, is sometimes described as... Uh, Gan appeared in metaphysical form as a giant edifice known as the Dark Tower. Does that mean he is the Dark Tower? I don't know. But the Dark Tower is uh, once again held up by six beams protected by 12 guardians. Matcher and the Turtle is one of those guardians. Okay. There are others. In the world of okay. the Dark Tower, the stories, yeah. uh, by the time the story that he writes mm-hmm. comes along and we're following the main characters of that story, right. most of the beams have already fallen. Okay. Okay. Maturin the turtle appears to be one of the last yeah. in existence. I actually like things like that. It's a little bit less daunting. Yeah. I can't think of another example, but when like there are, well, obviously six things that when they go, everything is bad. Three of them have already gone. Yes. We must save the last three. So we have to go through all six. Right. Yeah. I yeah. kind of like that. Saves yeah. a little time. <laughs> yeah. It also gives it also, a ticking clock. Yes. It, yeah. it, get, it adds stakes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Even if one still survives. We're fine. Right, totally. But we have to save that one. Exactly. Some of the other protectors were the hare, bear, horse, snake, eagle, elephant, rat, wolf, turtle, fish, bat, and lion. Sweet. Seems like they could work together well. It's a good mix of small and big. True. Yeah. Good call. Uh, However, there's also some lengthy, absurd story where the gunslinger, it's about, it's almost like an Old West kind of thing. Yeah. Mashed. With that idea of magic from Lord of the Rings where there would be elves and stuff. Right. So part of the backstory is that uh, the the world where the tower literally exists is not our world. It's mm-hmm. another universe where the tower literally exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, that world had its own civilization at one point in the long past. Perhaps it was a lot like ours. Yeah. Perhaps they had skyscrapers. Maybe they even spoke English. And mm-hmm. at a certain point, the world, which is held together by magic, people started to get uh, – their hubris was their downfall, I'd say. <laughs> They started to look at all this magic and go, our technology is superior to this old magic keeping our world together. So they sought to replace the the magic mm-hmm. with their own technology. Right. So this story turns out to then start being about cyborg bears and stuff. Right. No thanks. I know. I will dismiss. <laughs> Give me the magic. I will not say any more about that. <laughs> that's really. fine. I think that's why the gunslinger himself, he's a, a guy that's lived in like the multiverse where everybody still has a right, gun. Right, right. Like it explains where technology yeah. is still in the story somehow. Yeah. He drives a car and stuff or yeah. something. Anyway, uh, the real players of this story are Gan and his opposite, the Crimson King. Okay. The Crimson King is the ultimate foe. His dream is essentially to topple the Dark Tower mm-hmm. and bring about Discordia, which would be the destruction of everything. It'd be returning to that sort of nothingness. Yeah. Right? Like most good, like really extreme villains. Yes. Yeah. He wants to tear it all down, destroy 100% of everything. Right. Even if it means that he will no longer exist. Right. That is his goal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's described as Gan's crazy side. So I don't know if they're two sides of the same coin okay. or if they're separate beings, but it seems like all of this is sort of amorphous anyway. Yeah. So it all might be true. Yeah. Somehow, paradoxically. Uh, in some worlds, he is literally Satan mm-hmm. seen in in red with pointy horns and stuff. Cool. Um, uh, but here's, he was eventually destroyed. Okay. <laughs> because uh, an artist named Patrick Danville. Okay. Drew- That's a very good Stephen King name, Patrick by the way. Danville. Yeah. Yeah. He appears in other works as well, of course. Yeah. But he uses some of the main character's blood uh, to draw a picture of, uh, of the Crimson King and then he erases it. Oh. Patrick Danville's ability is to affect reality yeah. through art. Oh. 
which is cool. That's cool. Right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of this is a little um, Wizard of Oz-ish. Okay. Where it's like about companions traveling together and yeah. each of them have their own specific sort of ability. Right. You know? Like all the animals. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so his is about art. Yeah. And I will have more to say about him in a moment. Hmm. That is basically the breakdown of what is the dark holding tower. the multiverse together. Okay. It is the dark tower itself. Okay. Uh, it has a presence in all these other versions of realities. Mm -hmm. So um, in our world, what would be called reality, the dark tower has a, a presence. Yeah. Uh, it is a rose growing in New York City. Okay. So if you Never were to destroy that, that yeah. rose, you'd be destroying the Screw Dark Towers. The, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, thing in our universe. Yeah. It's version of itself in our right. universe. So let's get into some of the heavy connections and how Stephen King's stuff connects to the Dark Tower itself. It's okay. all in service of the tower. Okay. Chapter of four. <laughs> heavy connections. The man in really black like fled across thing. the desert and the gunslinger followed. Yes. Roland DeShane is the gunslinger. He's the titular hero. Right. He's the good guy that's trying to make sure the Dark Tower is not ripped down. Mm -hmm. His enemy is the man in black, Randall Flagg. Right. <laughs> now, Randall Flagg is a Stephen King character that's appeared in multiple stories. He was the primary antagonist in the book The Stand. Okay. Where he basically, in the aftermath of a plague that wipes out humanity, tries to build a new world order. Yeah. He's appeared in multiple works of Stephen King's. He can shapeshift. He can take on different appearances. And sometimes he's just around to basically sow discord. Well, no wonder he's in multiple works then. Yeah. He's so versatile. He's sort of the ultimate bad guy. Yeah. You know, like the Crimson King is the ultimate evil. Right. He wants the absence of everything. Right. But he's the ultimate, like, tool. He's yes. his little lackey. Exactly. Yeah. So Randall Flagg might appear in other works of Stephen King's where it's not even acknowledged that he's Randall Flagg. Uh-huh. Frequently, a bad guy will be named somebody who has the initials RF. Oh, that's fun. And you just be like, oh, that must be Randall Flagg that's in a different form. Exactly. Ooh, that like is that. another appearance of Randall Flagg. Fun. And Stephen King has confirmed many of those. Yeah. Where it gets rocky, sometimes he uses different initials. Okay, what do you mean? I don't know. He's Walter O'Dim at one point. Oh, so he's like, that's actually Randall Flagg. Exactly. There, it's not it's I think not it's more always... fun if you have that little flag, so to speak. But, I agree. You know. But some of it's also retconning. Stephen King looking back at things he's already written yeah. and being like, yeah, that's Randall Flagg. That could be Randall Flagg. Exactly. He's a bad guy. Yes, yeah. 100%. Um, what Randall Flagg would really want, he doesn't want everything to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. He wants to be the king. He wants to be in charge of it all. So that's really what's at stake for him. Yeah. He's the big bad guy. Okay. He wants to be sitting on the throne. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Stephen King described him. <laughs> it, was, it was evidently important. <laughs> okay. Because that's why I quoted this. This is literally a quote. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. He attributed flag to an image of a man walking the roads in cowboy boots, denim jeans, a jacket, and most importantly, wearing a hat. Okay. I don't know why that's the most important one. It seems just as arbitrary as the denim jeans. Yeah, what's the difference? Most yeah. importantly, there's got to be a hat. hat on that head. Yeah. Or I'll be steamed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, according to Stephen King himself, this was a notion which came out of nowhere when he was in college. Wait, it came out of nowhere to Stephen King or to Randall Flagg? <laughs> to Stephen King. That, that the Randall notion Flagg that he has to be wearing be, a hat? Yeah. Okay, wow. Can't imagine. Came out of nowhere, did it? Came out of nowhere. Boy. Whoa. Sometimes lightning just strikes. Whoa. <laughs> He's wearing jeans, cowboy boots, and is that is that a hat? Jeans? Yeah. A hat? <laughs> What's happening to me? Uh, Leave me. 
Love it. Um, okay. This is crazy too. This is also a quote. I'm just going to read it to you verbatim. Do it. I cannot explain more. I do not know more. However, I really enjoyed reading it. There is a major plot point around the end of the dark tower. Okay. Uh, which, uh, basically caps Randall Flagg's story. This, you know. In this, in this identity. I don't know. Maybe forever. Oh, okay. Even though he's persisted over the cross, the course of like a well, bunch sure, of different books. sure, it's a multiverse, so who the hell knows? In different right. forms, whatever. This is evidently his downfall and a really big deal about the Dark Tower. Because at one point I read that Randall Flagg really wants the human foot of Mordred. Okay. To be able to ascend to the throne. I was like, what the hell does that mean? Mordred's a sweet name. What is Mordred? Here is what Mordred is. Okay. Son of two fathers and two mothers, Mordred was born of Susanna's egg, fertilized by the seed of both Roland, the gunslinger, of Gilead, and the Crimson King. Oh, boy. And carried to term by Mia. Mordred is half-human, half-spider. Okay. Able to transform between the two, and if his fate is fulfilled, he will both kill Roland and topple the Dark Tower itself. He is both very powerful and extremely arrogant, as all Spider-Men are. Right, of course. Growing... (laughs) If... If I may. Um, after you say, you know, all the stuff about how he's conceived, and then you say, Mordred is half human, half spider. If I could turn into a gif, I would turn into that gif of Gary, of Gary Jerry Seinfeld at, like, the opera where being like, okay. And yeah, he, like, exactly. gets up and leaves. Like, That's all right. when it's time to take. That's enough for me. Yeah. yeah. We'll see Esther there. Uh, growing at a rapid speed, Mordred passes from childhood through adolescence in a matter of months. His abilities include the ability to change between human form and spider form at will. I'd stick with human. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and absorbing a victim's knowledge and experience by devouring them. That's cool. Mordred becomes deathly ill after eating poisoned horse meat. What the hell? And when he <laughs> makes a final attempt to kill Roland, he is attacked by Oi. Oi is able to distract Mordred long enough to allow Roland to wake up and kill his son at the threshold of the Dark Tower. Man, Oi is right. But here's the other thing. Mordred is Randall's downfall. Randall needs the birthmarked foot of... Mordred, Mordred, right. To get to the tower. Okay. And Mordred basically is like, oh, I see what you're doing, and eats it. <laughs> this is a mouthful. Well, I guess whatever his name was a mouthful for Mordred. Oh, when Mordred dines, yeah. he's no, satisfied. No matter your brain was scrambled. Yeah, oh my gosh. My brain's been on fire. Yeah. Um. Okay, now let's get to the to the greater king world. This okay. is kind of trippy and weird. Uncaverse. Pennywise, the dancing clown. Yes. And Dandelo. A big thing about Stephen King's work when you consider his multiverse, and he appears to do this intentionally, is the idea of echoes of each other. Mm-hmm. Sometimes actual doppelgangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pennywise appears to have some sort of a relative, perhaps <laughs> a child, perhaps just another somewhat disconnected member of his species yeah. that appears in the Dark Tower. Pennywise being one of Stephen King's most famous iconic creations, I always wonder if he's like, you know what? I have more to say about creatures like this. Or if he's like, people really like that Pennywise, but I killed him. Right. It could be either or or a little bit of both. Yes. Yeah. So people may not be aware that there is another sort of Pennywise in the Dark Tower named Dandelo. Okay. Dandelo is described as a psychic vampire. I don't know if that's really how I describe Pennywise, but I guess it fits. I yeah, I guess I wouldn't think of that, but I guess it does. When you say psychic vampire in the context of Stephen King, I think of Dr. Sleep. Yes, you're yeah. right. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. More on that in a second. I know. Uh, Dandelo goes by the name Joe Collins, similar to how Pennywise goes yes. by Bob Gray. Right. He lives in a cottage on Odd Lane in the white lands of Empathica. Okay. He has a horse named Lippy. 
Uh, well, that's nice. Isn't it? Yeah, Steven? Dandelion sounds nice. It kind of sounds like Marshmallow or Dandelion. Yeah, you're right. It's got a horse named Lippy. Well, here's the thing. He gets Roland in his little hut, and uh, he basically... He describes how Joe Collins himself, yeah. he's a former stand-up comedian. Oh, boy. Similar okay. to a clown, I a- suppose. Oof. Mm-hmm. Oofsie. He starts telling jokes, oh. which appear Are to they be funny? killing Roland. <laughs> Roland is laughing so much, he is dying. Oh, it's literally... Ki- oh, my God. Wow. I, I tried to look up actual quotes of Dandela's jokes. I did not find any. And I can't tell if that's a good or bad thing. Wowie kazowie. Later on, when Roland is saved, because spoiler alert, he is saved, somebody says, I guess you were more, you know, susceptible to Dandelo's <laughs> jokes because you have a bad sense of humor. Is that what somebody says? Yes. She says, your sense of humor is lame. And he goes, I know it is. And it almost, that's actually really funny. It almost got him killed. But I wonder if that's because Stephen <laughs> King like that. didn't write good jokes intentionally or couldn't write good jokes. And he was like... Maybe I should just have a character say that those jokes stink. Maybe it's a little bit like he's really good at writing bad jokes, but he knows that they're corny, so he's kind of like getting ahead of it. Maybe. You know, yeah. a little defensive. I don't know. But can you imagine like how terrifying a scene would be to have somebody hovering over somebody else, sucking the life out of them by going, yeah. like, uh, uh, why did the why did the guy move into the little toadstool? You're just, they're just like, stop, you're killing me. Because there was like, so much room inside. <laughs> ah, ah, and there's like Dementor mist being sucked from them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's really crazy. Weird. Anyway, uh, Roland's, one of his companions, uh, manages to get the better of Dandelo and kills mm-hmm. him. And when she does, he's in the process of turning into a bug. Okay. okay. Which is like Pennywise, who turns into a giant spider. Okay. But also... He gets a look on his face like a psychotic clown. Okay, there you are. Which is the thing that really drives it home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen King later confirmed. He's like, I won't say what the relationship is, but they appear to be somewhat of the same species. Yeah, you think? A lot of people have theorized that Dandelo is Pennywise. Right. I don't know. Whatever. Mm, it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like they would be of the same species. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, also worth saying, and I will say no more for the time being. Okay. Uh, in defeating Dandelo and trying to figure out what's going on, there's a deus ex machina event where somebody leaves a note for the main characters, which is signed SK. Oh. In, in Dandelo's bathroom. <sighs> okay. God. All right. It all moves faster from here, I think. Even okay. though I wrote, like, a novel about this. Yeah. My head's on fire. Uh, another doppelganger. Just the hell are cobbabbies? Okay, we'll get there. We'll <laughs> Hold get there. on. Don't. Sorry, I skipped ahead in Williams' notes. <laughs> don't spoil cobbabbies. Cobbabbies. Oh, cobbabbies. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. Hold on. All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Other doppelgangers that exist in the Stephen Kingiverse. Uh, I've read alternate versions of what this might be. This was the one that was most intriguing to me. One of the main characters of the Gunslinger series, the Dark Tower series, is a kid named Jake Chambers, uh-huh. who's known for saying there are other worlds than these, which in that means literal sense about the multiverse, right. traveling to different dimensions and everything. Yeah. Another character that says that phrase, adult Dan Torrance. Oh, okay. In his context, it's talking about the afterlife because he yeah, knows yeah, yeah. about the shining and seeing the, the, the forms of the long dead right. communicating with people on the afterlife. However, that might suggest that Dan Torrance and Jake Chambers are twinnies or oh, doppelgangers. Okay, that's cool. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. And having said those things, brings us to chapter five, the terminology. Great. All world 
That's where the tower itself is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the Keystone Earth, which appears to be what we would call our world. Yeah. We live essentially on Keystone Earth. Okay. All world is the fictional place where there was an advanced society that collapsed. That's where the tower is. If you wanted to go to the tower, you'd have to go to the all world. There is high speech, mm-hmm. sort of an ancient language. However, uh, it's also very primitive because everything seems to center around adding Ka to everything. K-A. Ka uh, is basically uh, the force, like Star Wars. It's uh-huh. sort of like this thing that binds us all. It's almost destiny or fate. Yeah. And I guess that amounts to saying things like, uh, you and I have formed a ka-tet. Okay. Instead of like a quartet. Right. Where there would be four of you. It's a ka-tet. People that's, that share a same fate. That's so corny. I agree. There's also <laughs> kababis, which are young ka-tet members. All right. It seems to literally be, to me, ka plus babies. Yes, with an extra B in there, right? Babies. Yeah. Uh, which is basically younglings from Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. which I don't like. And once I read that, I got really excited because I thought I was going to be seeing stuff like no, drink your calm milk. Like <laughs> yeah, I'm, just cause just in front of things where it's not even needed to be. Yeah. It's not even replacing any sort of like root word. Yes. Ah, yeah. This kamika is so delicious. Kamika? What's that? Milk. Oh. Uh, eat your ka witch. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, no, it'd be like ka sandwich. Ka sandwich. We're talking about not even like replacing. Yeah. Can I get uh, a barbecue chicken ka sandwich? Was this in the gunslinger, like the book we read where they said ka before things? I think so. I think so too. I kind of remember it. Cause I remember I being have, like, what is this? Can I have a ka chicken parmigiana? <laughs> Thank you. Throw all that away now. Okay. We're getting toward the end. Chapter six. Everything is connected. Ah. At a certain point, Stephen King realized that all his works were connected, right? It was revealed to him. It was revealed to him that it was all connected. Right. So much so that he realized, well, wait a minute. I'm the creators of these worlds. I must be connected to the tower as well. Right. Stephen King, very sadly, somewhat famously, yes. was yeah, hit yeah, yeah. by a car in 1999. He was hit by a man named Brian Smith who had a... It sounds like a terrible track record of driving in his past. Um, he may have been an alcoholic. He admitted to having been on six different kinds of drugs uh, when he was driving, and he hit Stephen King. Stephen King's leg was almost amputated. It was it was horrible. Yeah. After that, he tried to write. He was writing his book, Stephen King on Writing, mm-hmm. and he could not sit to write for more than 40 minutes. He was in such indescribable pain. Ugh. It sounds truly horrible yeah i'm not making light of this i don't want to yeah yeah, yeah. um the man's brian no, smith ended up taking his own life the next really year. i didn't know that, that. He couldn't stand to see another winter um it just sounds like oh my god a, a horrible torturous period of time uh it sounds like absolute misery yeah and it was with that in mind that oh. i say that stephen king having written about keystone earth which is essentially our reality folded himself into the story of the dark tower right Stephen King is the facilitator of Gan, remember, God, yes. to be telling the story of the gunslinger. Mm-hmm. The character Roland DeShane. Kind of Gan himself, in a way. Uh-huh. He's uh-huh. the god of this world. Yeah. Uh, his main character, Roland DeShane, becomes aware that there's a man named Stephen King who's writing his story. And without Stephen King writing the story, Roland would have no idea how to get to the Dark Tower, how to proceed right. on his quest. So at one point... Uh, in the book Song of Susanna, Roland goes to visit Stephen King to convince him to write more of the story. Mm-hmm. Stephen King is afraid to write more. So Roland hypnotizes him, convincing him to continue the story. And as part of that hypnotism, saying to Stephen King, you will forget you ever met me. Yeah. From that point on, 
if Stephen King was writing, even if he was not writing the next book of the Dark Tower series, he was writing about that world. Right. So right. it's from that point that this is all that solidified. That everything is connected. It all it, yes. flows yeah. from Stephen King. Yeah. It's a, and I say this not in like the, um, like mean, like, blah, blah, blah. it's a bold move. It is. And I'm not saying that like as a detraction. Like, yes. even though I, I don't know, it sounds crazy. I haven't, I haven't read that book. I've just heard about this. It's, it's, it's an insane thing to do. By the time you turn the page. Yeah. And see Stephen King. Yeah. Uh, as a character, you're in or you're out. Right. Like, I wonder how the people who were already, like, really into the Dark Tower felt about this. I'm sure, obviously, like, with everything, people feel different ways about things. But I bet if it was somebody who was excited about it, they are probably, like, thrilled. Because it's so weird and yes. out there and so unexpected. So yes. I bet for some people that was sweet as hell. Probably. You know? Because it's just like, you would never expect that in a million years. Probably. I really do kind of admire that even though i think it's nuts i tip my hat to it it's a matter of taste right yes and it's again what we were saying before for me it works as one of two extremes mm -hmm. i bet if you like it you love it mm -hmm. like you said and i bet if you don't like it which i don't mm -hmm. you really don't like it yeah um so yeah it's kind of tricky that one for me would be very hard to exist in a middle ground either way i can respect it and not like it for sure but i definitely don't like it yeah yeah for sure but i've if you do like it that must have been hugely Probably. cool yes. like explode your world yes. which is really sweet so because the story all flows through stephen king that makes him a giant target for the crimson king right so within Man, the story bonkers within the story this bonkers this the the crimson king was responsible for brian smith driving on oh. the road that day and being about to hit stephen king oh my god i forgot that oh man i believe i may be wrong in my research this is where my research started to really chip away at uh -huh. my own sanity. Right. Because I was reading a Wikipedia about Brian Smith. Yeah. And I looked at the URL and it was from like the Dark Tower wiki. And I was like. So, like, so is this Brian Smith in real life or Brian Smith in the context of the Dark Tower world? And I still don't know. I don't know if they name Brian Smith in the story. Yeah. But that would be a man who took his life a year after. Oh, I hope they don't. I know. It's, it's hard. Like even without the context of him having taken his life a year after. Like, it's hard. That doesn't seem right. I mean, he made a is terrible, but like there are parts I don't of it know. that don't seem healthy. Yeah. Um, I mean, far be it from me to to pass any real judgment yeah. here. But uh, within the story, they find out that uh, Stephen King is going to be hit by this car. Uh -huh. So Jake Chambers, who I mentioned before, who may be a doppelganger of Dan Torrance. Right. There are other worlds than these. Jake Chambers pushes Stephen King out of the way at the last second and is killed. Oh man. Wow, this is dark, like real life heavy. dark. Heavy. You know? Uh -huh. Yeah. Wow. I don't, I don't like, really know what like to Like mindset while you're writing dark. Yes. Yeah. Uh, where, this is where I think it starts to become therapy. Yeah. You know? Oh, it have to. Absolutely. I think for a lot of creators, for a lot of artists, yeah. what you do is therapeutic. Uh-huh. Um, doing this show is, yeah. is therapy. Yeah. There are times where we're doing Guide to the Unknown or any podcast and we take a break and I feel like I'm going insane. Mm -hmm. yeah. I feel better doing this show than yeah. if I don't do it. I require it. <laughs> um, I feel like this may be a decent indication that Stephen King might feel the same way. Yeah, it seems. I don't want to say that it's a definite, yeah. but this definitely feels like somebody that's trying to work out their own personal feelings, uh, trying to dissect what happened to them through their art form. Absolutely. And I think something that would support that is just how prolific he is. He like cranked out like a bajillion books. Yeah. It's the same way you or I really like to record when we start to feel a little antsy if we don't get to do it. I'm sure that... 
he probably feels or felt the same way about writing. Yeah, probably. Just based on his output. Yes. So I don't want to pass a judgment on him doing this at all. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I really respect a lot of what he's accomplished yeah. and what he's attempting to do. Yeah. But as uh, somebody who's uh, consuming the entertainment rather than producing it in this right. case, I, you know, your own taste is... Yeah, totally. It's whatever you make of it. Right. So. Um, but here's here's where I'm really sort of driving with this chapter. Everything is connected. <laughs> He started to make everything connected, right. not only just his own works. Yeah. Uh, there is a Dark Tower novel where they go to the Emerald City and they get a pair of ruby shoes. Oof. There is a story. Not for me. There is a story where uh, his main characters are fighting a bunch of people who use what are called sneeches, spherical golden explosives that can fly. They look at the serial number on one of them and it ends in HPJKR, Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling. Ah, oh, for the love of God. He's folding it all. That's weird. In. He's folding it all. I in. had no idea that that was a thing. Now, snitches, obviously, these explosives that fly, are right. not snitches. Snitches right. from Harry Potter don't explode. They're things to play in a game with. So this is still some sort of a bastardization of an idea that appear appeared elsewhere. But it does still smack of taking everything that exists Yeah. and... uh converting it converting it to your world well there's also the star-bellied sneeches from dr seuss so i wonder if that plays in here i wonder if these sneeches have a star on that golden sphere anywhere oh, no yeah there's no star upon thar <laughs> nice oh, thank you <laughs> welcome um i also want to point out in terms of the multiverse and the way that stephen king seems to think about it mm -hmm. uh, these are two really sort of weird points uh they felt important to me to mention okay in here they don't necessarily play nice uh, with what I'm, I'm driving at overall. Okay. But regardless, they would still be part of his multiverse. Yeah. Stephen King wrote a novel that was a Kindle exclusive, an mm -hmm. Amazon oh, yeah, Kindle yeah, yeah. exclusive, uh, that is called You Are. Mm -hmm. so the letter is You Are. I don't know if it's You Are or You're or Er. Right. I don't know. However, it is about somebody who uh, – it's about like a professor who wants to finally get one of those – fangled new ebook readers mm -hmm. so he orders an amazon kindle and he receives a pink amazon kindle that's not even one of the original colors at the time <laughs> of that publication and through using a search function on the kindle he's finding news about alternate realities yeah where uh pete best is still the drummer of the beatles okay stuff like that uh -huh. so there's a multiverse within this novel, yeah, you are, yeah, which is about a pink Kindle. That actually sounds like that could be a good short story. I agree. I don't think I'd want to read a whole novel of that, but it's kind of an interesting idea. I think it's somewhat cheapened by it literally being a Kindle. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. However, and it was a Kindle exclusive book. Yes. Yeah, I forgot about that. I read a that. quote from Stephen King where he says, "I know I'm going to get a lot of criticism from this, and people are going to be more fascinated by this book for the business aspect than the actual story itself." Right. I do want to point out uh, they asked me to write a book anyway. And I thought it might be fun. Yeah. It would be about this particular thing to make it be a little more, it's in your hands as you're reading it. Yeah. And I he mean, goes, and to point out also, I've written movies about killer cell phones and cars <laughs> that can drive themselves. So is it really that different? It's not really that different. Also, it's um, the branding that makes it a little different to me, I think. Yes. I forgot to mention when he went to the Stanley Hotel, the book that he was working on before he shifted years into The Shining was about a roller coaster that eats people. 
Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. So along the same lines. Yeah. You're not wrong. Um, and I also want to say, we've talked about the Mandela effect on this show. Yeah. Where like you look in the past and we remember the past different ways. Mm-hmm. I don't remember this existing. However, it does. Maybe the multiverse is crashing down around us. <laughs> Perhaps. There are a lot of Stephen King books. There are a lot of Stephen King movies. Right. Did you hear about the movie Cell that came out in 2016, two years ago? No. Starring John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson? No. That movie exists. Well, there are, I mean, that's not that weird to me. There are lots of movies that come out that you just don't hear about. Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah, but famous people do movies that end up in the crapper all the time. That's not that weird to me. Anyway, it's about zombies that become zombies because of cell phones. Okay. <laughs> like radiation or something? I don't know. Okay. And I think they call them phoners or something. Oh, boy. And See, it, that's where things get tough. It exists. Why, why does it have to be a cutesy name? Because it's got to be cute. I know. It exists. It has existed for two years. Uh-huh. It stars John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson, who right. previously starred together in a Stephen King movie of 1408, which oh, is yeah. great. That's a really good movie. I cannot yeah. believe that I did not know that this movie existed until today. I have to imagine that it's from another reality and it shifted into ours. I don't know why you're so surprised by this. Movies come out all the time I'm that just like it. nobody hears about. Not a Stephen King novel with sure. two big actors. Yes. It doesn't matter. Weird stuff happens all the time. Teen heartthrob John Cusack? Yeah, in 2016? I can't believe that wasn't on the cover of Tiger Beat. Like, who's... Look, I like John Cusack, but who's looking out for him, really? I I mean, that doesn't sound like something that's going to be on the cover of EW. You know I read my monthly Tiger Beat. Where Stephen King used to have a column that I really enjoyed. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Um, So, here we go. (laughs) Let's move to the afterword. Okay. The afterworld? The afterworld. Yeah. Castle Rock yeah. is the newest incarnation of a Stephen King multiverse. However, it is still just part of the whole. Sure. As much as people watch that show and want to say that Sissy Spacek may be an adult version of Carrie mm-hmm. from another reality, maybe that'll be true within the show. I don't think it will be. I love the idea of that kind of stuff, but I don't. It, this seems like it's self-contained. I don't think that's going to link to the greater Stephen King universe that way. I agree. Yeah. And even though people want to make Spil- Bill, Bill Sparsgard. Yep. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Sparsgard. As much as they want to say that he's still playing Pennywise within the show, uh-huh. maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I However, think it's, it's still just another extension of Stephen King's a multiverse already in progress. Yes, yes, completely. I think it's just a to wink. Contain everything. Yes, all of his works, all of not his works. Sure, and even you and me. Right, we are all part of the Stephen King multiverse. You're right. If he can draw from Harry Potter and other stuff, what's to say he can't draw from us? Yes, from you. Yes. Now, here is where my brain starts to turn to mush a little bit more. And I started thinking about the fact that the world for each one of us is the product of our own... Oh, God. William, don't do this kind of stuff to me. You know I can't handle it. Preferences and perceptions. Right. The entire, that sort of cliche of how do you know that I even exist? How do you know that you exist? How do you know that I am not just some projection of your mind? I don't. You've only seen me when I'm around you. Maybe I don't exist when you're not looking at me. Ah... We all live in our own world, and it's becoming especially more and more true, where even when you go online, if you see news, it's typically because there's some AI out there right. that said, you're into this kind of news. You will click on these kinds of articles, so we'll show those to you. We'll show these ads to you based on your previous experience browsing online. We'll show different stuff to Will. Yes. So even though we may even be experiencing the same reality, which, again, I get cast into doubt, uh, <laughs> Please don't. 
we're experiencing. It melts my brain, this stuff. Even if there's an objective truth, we are all experiencing our own completely subjective interpretation it's true. of it. Yes. Uh, you and I are living out the same timeline, but seeing, hearing, and feeling different things about all of it. Yeah. Does that make not make them entirely distinct from one another? Right. So Stephen King has his own universe where everything is in service of the Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. He has constructed it that way. I have my own entire universe where Stephen King's work occupies a small portion of it. Sure. But I allow it to exist there. Right. It's because it doesn't I have to allow it to yeah. exist for me that it does at all. Right. We all have our own universe. We all have our own multiverse. Oh God. Make I don't anymore because I'm dying. <laughs> Again, whatever you are doing, are you driving a car? Are you listening at home? Are you watching <laughs> us on YouTube? If you have earbuds in, you're only hearing us. Are you sure you're even listening to anything? <laughs> who's to say? You know who's to say? Who? Stephen King. Uncle Stevie. Gone. Or Gan. Or whatever. The Uncaverse. Yeah. The Uncaverse. Fin. It is done. I'm tired. Boy, oh boy, oh. I'm tired. I've... I worked a long time on that. You did a great job. I truly don't know how I feel. Um, I will also say once again. You did a great job. This was very good and very exhaustive. Thank you. I said at the beginning, I'll say it again at the end. There's no way for me to fold in every little connection that exists in all his work. It's, yeah. It would be truly impossible. It would be an entire podcast unto itself. Yeah. Um, what I will say is if you're into this kind of thing and if you want to know more about it, uh, there are other people that are way more into Stephen King who do go completely insanely in depth. Mm-hmm. StephenKing.com itself has a, a solidly comprehensive list of how all of his novels reference the Dark Tower. That's sweet. Where it will literally just be like, uh, misery is mentioned in the Dark Tower. You know, like, That's it'll cool. just like yeah. tell you how and why these things are interconnected. Right. Uh, and I found a flow chart that I thought was really cool that was made by at Tessie Girl, T-E-S-S-I-E Girl where she made a, an incredibly complicated, it's like a poster, mm-hmm. flowchart, where it draws lines to connect from characters that appear in multiple works. Cool. Towns that appear in multiple works, how and why they're all connected. That's awesome. It is overwhelming, and it is very cool, and it looks like it took a long time to do. Everybody Damn. check that out. Good for her. Um, my time is done. <laughs> well, you know what? Our time is done here for Guide to the Unknown. Yes. So thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, if you want to be in touch with us online, you can follow us everywhere on social media at GTTUPod. So on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also join our Facebook group. If you search for Guide to the Unknown podcast, request to join and we'll approve it. And also, um, you can choose to donate to us on Patreon, which would be super duper awesome. And it's facilitating us doing some cool things actually in the future. We have something planned next month that we're going to do that we're able to do because of your Patreon money and be able to share it with all of you. So we'd really, really appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you all so much Yeah. Uh, for hanging out with us, regardless of your level of involvement. Yeah. I consider you all part of our quartet. That's what, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. As do I, cob babies. Yes. Cob you can babies. also uh, follow Kristen and myself individually online, assuming there are two of us instead of just one. Enough assuming that. that there's even one of us rather than some extension of your own personal psyche. Enough of that. I am at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram. I am at Haunted Sponge. Or am I? Oh God. All I right. Am. <laughs> I am. So we'll see you all yeah. next week for a new episode of Guide to the Unknown. 
Please tell your friends this was hard. Yeah. Uh, so until- <laughs> yeah. Please give us reviews on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I forgot to mention that. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm sorry. I missed a bunch. I know I did. I may have misexplained stuff, too. I'm it's a okay. font of misinformation as much as information. It's okay. And William, I kind of don't want to hear more. We're not the friggin' Smithsonian. I'm just saying. We're just sharing information that we think is cool. Oh, I'm just saying. I, I feel I feel more fried than I did when I was done with my research. My <laughs> eyes are burning. All right, we're going to take off. William, let me take care of you. We got to get out of here. I'm going to put William on my back, and we are going to travel. Kristen? William? Where are we? The netherworld. We got to go deeper. Oh! <laughs>